Jacob Shea. And I'm David Fleming. And uh, we and Hans Zimmer composed the music for Blue Planet 2. Well, Jacob and uh, Dave, thanks so much for inviting me over to your guys' studio. It's so great to chat. Um, Good to have you. Yeah, thanks. So I uh, really loved the score for Blue Planet. I think you guys did an amazing job. Oh, but uh, before we dive into that, I would love to kind of start with um, uh, both of you, kind of talk about your backgrounds and kind of your history. How did you guys get started in music? What drove your passion? And how did you find yourself on the career path that you are today? Yeah, sure. I'll start. I mean, uh, I uh, grew up playing piano and uh, wanting to be in rock bands and listening to way too much Phantom of the Opera uh, for <laughs> a five-year-old kid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, sort of, sort of got interested in film music right away, I think. Uh, I, I, you know, it's something I became aware of really early on. And um, even now, uh, like if I watch a movie that I was watching, you know, like at that early age I can remember cues and things like that so I think for me it was you know my mother's a, a literature teacher and uh, I think I inherited my love of story from her and uh, I think for me it was like music and story hand in hand all the time um, speed it up a little bit uh, started working when with, you were six yeah <laughs> seven eight uh, uh, I uh, came out to LA and started working uh, with Otley Orbison uh, started uh, working as his assistant. Um, I met him through this thing with Mike Post, this fellowship, this BMI fellowship. And uh, I worked for him for years. He was an amazing mentor for me and started writing for other guys uh, around remote control and, you know, getting my own projects. And uh, and then Blue Planet 2 came, came around uh, most recently and uh, got to work with uh, Jacob and Hans on that one, which was pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I wound up at the same place, but, but how I got here is a little different. I, I uh, started with the piano, much like Dave, and uh, somewhere around middle school, high school, I, I switched over to the guitar and wanted to be in rock bands, but from the guitar part. Uh, and uh, then I went to college study guitar performance, uh, classical guitar performance, and, and developed tendonitis and switched my major to composition. Oh, wow. Uh, almost kind of as a backup plan, um, which is, you know, insane to say that now because <laughs> it, it was kind of the best thing that could have happened, really. Yeah. Um, I don't know what I would I'd be playing weddings or something. <laughs> Come on. No, I'm not. Wedding gig. Look, 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 look. It would have been a fine life. I'm not. I'm, I'm just saying I had no idea what was in store when I changed majors. Um, and then because of getting into composition, I, I thought um, that that scoring something, it didn't have to be film, video game, television. That just seemed like an interesting job. And so. Yeah. Uh, my folks had rented a, a film called 13 Conversations About One Thing. It's an indie film that Alex Werman had scored. Uh, it's an amazing score. And, and I saw it on like a college vacation. I reached out to Alex and I said, dude, I'm interested in what you do. Can I just spend a summer like watching what you do? Uh, and, and, you know, I'll get you coffee, whatever. Right. Uh, and, and he got back to me and said, yeah, come on down. 
and and so I spent the summer uh, and and just fell in love with the process, the collaboration element, the like technological element of you know being in 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 a room and being able to have access to all these amazing sounds and and kind of you know constructing these these pieces of music seemingly out of thin air uh it it was just really an intoxicating proposition uh to to do that as a career and so when i when i graduated i moved down here and and a few years after being in los angeles i was lucky enough to to get an inter, uh, an assistantship with Trevor Morris, yeah, yeah, who at the time was renting a room here, right? Uh, and though it didn't work out with him, I I was here long enough to kind of make an impression on Hans and his technical uh, score engineer at the time, Pete Snell. Yeah, Pete. Yeah, and and mm. uh, through Pete's recommendation, and Hans kind of seeing me at three in the morning tinkering away on Giga Studio machines. Uh, he, he, he hired me when Trevor kind of let me go. Yeah. Uh, and, and I've kind of been here ever since. Yeah, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we were just talking about kind of your journeys to, uh, to where you are today. Um, I, you know, and you did, you guys have spent time working as additional composers before kind of coming into your own. So talk about what you learned, I guess, from going back, whether you're sitting with Alex or just sitting in with Otley, what did you guys pick up that you now kind of implement today? I mean, it's like there's so Where much. Where do you start? Yeah, I know, I know. Really, it, it is amazing. I mean, especially when you have that kind of that, um, you know, every day kind of in the studio, in the thick of it, 16, 18 hours a day, you know, I think even more so those early assistant years um, as opposed to like starting to write additional music right um, uh, for people sort of uh, uh, on project to project uh, I think I mean obviously you know the things that you go in thinking that you're going to learn you learn you you know the way a cue is arranged the way you know the technical aspect of things just like being how do you even go that. about yeah, syncing it up yeah it just yeah. every little thing just getting your mind around a studio for the first time especially like if you're like me who in in music school and college you were like using like a laptop and with finale with nothing yeah yeah <laughs> 1994 yeah. Or, edition yeah finale <laughs> and reason and like why doesn't this sound like uh you know a, a flute this i hear hans like zimmer a, uses cubase yeah, like, yeah. It's, i have the same program it's funny it's funny my freshman year there's some guy who was like i'm gonna give you this but you gotta promise not to tell anybody, these are the Hans Zimmer guitars, and I, I don't know, I don't know what it was, but they're like, unreleased. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I bought them off a guy that yeah. had him in a band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, but, uh, but then the technical aspect aside, like you know, looking back uh, on things, um, you know, you're there uh, to witness how a composer is in a meeting how right. they deal with their successes, with their failures. Um, I think um, just seeing how they approach their life as a person, uh, I think, you know, especially uh, for me with Otley, who's uh, a really generous and um, uh, sort of, um, he just shared as much as he could with me. I, I think that uh, it's, you know, invaluable, those those early experiences. It's stuff you can't learn in school, I think. No, it's, I mean, yeah. in a way it was 
it was like a sort of a master's degree for me, you know, yeah. at least. And, uh, um, you know, and then I think, you know, writing for other people around the same time, you kind of pick up different things from everybody. And, oh, I, I really like that about how they do, you know, what, mixing or uh, I like how they work with automation or I really love, you know, the voicings they use in their chords. And you kind of, um, you know, gather all these these things that your taste draws you to about pe other people's processes. Right. And soak soak it up as much as as much as you can yeah man yeah i mean that's essentially my answer yeah <laughs> so we Ditto. don't need to belabor it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um so yeah, let's talk about uh before we dive into blue planet um i think a lot of people would be also curious uh you know it says for bleeding fingers music and kind of what the bleeding fingers music model is and how did this project kind of uh, how did DBC come to Bleeding Fingers? And uh, because I know Jacob, you worked on uh, Planet Earth too. Yeah. Um. So you have experience with this, and Dave coming into this one, but the kind of experience that uh, t talk about the model of Bleeding Fingers and how sure. the project landed in your guys' lap. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it it's uh, it it does feel a little bit like uh, you know, kind of uh, just like kind of a godsend like yeah. <laughs> landing in the lap like you say right uh it, it was it, it was i started working with russell a long time ago russell emmanuel the, the ceo of bleeding figures right and and uh you know it, it was it was never the intention of the company i think even russell would say that that we were going to steer it in this kind of way where we would be scoring these these amazing programs that that had so much import on the on like the world consciousness and stuff it's it's an amazing place to wind up but but essentially russell had had a a, a long time friend uh in the bbc kind of uh family mm -hmm. and, and through her um it's my understanding anyway i mean i think this is how it went down <laughs> uh, <laughs> but we were we were given the opportunity to put our you know name in the hat for next composer for planet earth 2 right so then joshua who was with us at the time and and me and and a host of other people around campus submitted demos they sent us three scenes to score oh wow and uh, Joshua took a stab at it. I took a stab at it. There, there were other people as well, and then we um, we sent him in, and miraculously enough, with you know, uh, with within about a couple months of us biting our nails while we were waiting to hear back, they got back and said that that they wanted to go with us, and they thought that Josh and I collectively, kind of complimented each other really well and they they wanted us to do the project as a team wow and then that was kind of like a light bulb moment where it was like hey you know this is this is actually a way to give these these nature docs that that have like an insane amount of music that you need to write yeah you can give them kind of the treatment that they deserve you can really be detailed in a way that that you couldn't if you were just by yourself or even if you were by yourself and you're handing it off to to some additional writers, right? They're, to fill in the gaps. To, yeah, whatever, exactly. Yeah. To, to have two people really focused for for 
you know, a nine month period or a seven month period on on just this project is is it was uh it really made a lot of sense once you know in hindsight after we got through it we were like oh well this this is probably how we should do that and i think the bbc likewise felt that like you know the i and it's it's not to say anything negative about um about the the original composer of the planet earth series he oh, yeah, yeah. wrote some amazing oh, music yeah. i mean George I Fenton. like that was George Fenton. George yeah, Fenton. Yeah, amazing. I like the music he wrote better than I like my own music. <laughs> like, I, mean, I mean, I really, I really think that music is beautiful. Yes, yes. Uh, and uh, and it wasn't even like a how do we how do we do something in in his shadow because it, you can't out Fenton. Fenton. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's Fenton. Absolutely. <laughs> You're an <laughs> imposter. <laughs> Uh, so it it was way more the case that they they just had all this new technology in the way that they captured the animals and the way that they captured their footage and the way that they wanted to tell the story and they wanted the music equivalent of that. Right. And so it was it was about how do we use all of the tools available to us inside the studio and and you know Hans did the main title on that one so we had access to his kind of you know mindset about how how to to do this in a new and intriguing and interesting way yeah um and, and all that wound up god i totally lost my train of thought <laughs> but it wound up working out very well right. and then we were lucky enough to do it again yeah <laughs> right yeah. and dave how did you join the project for uh for Blue Planet. Yeah, well, mine mine was a, a a bit more specific. I didn't have the history uh, with the the company that Jacob did. I'd sort of popped in for this one. Uh, I was working uh, on a project with Hans at the time, and uh, I think he thought I'd be a really good fit. And you know, me and Jacob have known each other for a long time. So yeah. And I'm you know I was really close with uh, uh, a lot of the team. Russell, I'd done a lot of work with him and. Uh, my wife Monica, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> most importantly, yes. uh, was uh, uh, worked uh, with Jacob and Joshua on uh, Planet Earth, right? And uh, and also worked with all of us on Blue Planet. So uh, yeah, it was just kind of like this amazing opportunity that came around at the right time, and uh, I'm glad it all worked. Yeah, out. yeah, fit yeah. together. Yeah, and I think what you guys did. I mean, it's because I grew up like with discovery channel when it was like and it wasn't mermaid docs it was like actual you know real documentaries and right. i grew up watching that stuff but i really think what you guys did with blue planet is one of the best nature documentaries ever written so i mean it really that's kind of you to say wowed me and, and really i think what you guys were able to do with sound and image and, and music and image and and it's it's why i kind of fell in love with I wanted to be a one of the, I wanted to be those cameramen like in the water like that's what I really wanted to do before Their I went to film school. Is, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it's uh, harrowing. Oh my like, god! Yeah. <laughs> uh, I have so much more respect for them than any of like my fellow music <laughs> technicians. Yeah. You know, it's yeah, like it's a, they they go to like this the far reaches of the earth to capture some most, most amazing, amazing footage. footage. It's yeah. it's crazy. I mean, yeah, uh, you know, you forget, especially because the shots are so beautiful. It's, yeah, everything could could be a screensaver. Or yeah, you forget that there is someone holding a camera all the time. Like when we finally saw the episodes as they aired, they came with all this 
behind the scenes footage, like yeah, at the end of every at the, episode. At the end of it, yeah. Yeah, and that was uh, for the most part new to us, and and like seeing the sh- the scenes that you scored like recontextualized with someone there in the icy cold water or like yeah. down in the dark. You're just like, oh my god, this is. <laughs> these guys really were the heroes of the project. We kind of yeah. were like, uh, you know. Yeah, we came in at the end and like yeah. put some tunes on some. Yeah, yeah. In your air-conditioned studio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> From the comfort of our Santa Monica. I mean, this highly temperature-controlled environment. <laughs> I mean, the story you told last last time about uh, Orla. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, Orla, uh, Doherty, the... the producer of the the deep episode mm. uh she went in the submersible under water uh in it's gotta be antarctica or something uh, uh, it's cold yeah. yeah it's it's but essentially i mean she she went to the depths of the ocean she and full and, james cameron like. yeah no exactly <laughs> yeah. and in fact yeah. i i yeah. she knows him pretty well oh wow <laughs> yeah. there you go and, uh, <laughs> it's a pretty tight-knit group in the yeah exactly like, there are yeah. maybe three people and, that done to the body. and it's yeah. james Twenty thousand leagues someone else yeah. Club, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and when she was down there like she the submersible actually sprung a leak. Oh my god! And there was water coming in to to where she yeah. was. Oh my! It just saw like water on the floor, right? And, and just, the way she uh, told it, it was just like so scientific and methodical, and it was like <laughs> you know we kind of you know we we had we we had planned for what would happen if if this happened. Yeah. And so we kind of knew that we had two hours to kind of fix it up, otherwise we'd be <laughs> dead. Screwed. Yeah. <laughs> but she wasn't stressing, and like my heart. Like BPM just went up like twenty. <laughs> just <laughs> hearing the story. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god! Yeah, I, think they, I think she's like, let's just stay down. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just also the you know, uh, it wasn't all adventure either. Like you hear them talking about the monotony of it, like that. The one, oh yeah. There was the scene, the the boiling sea thing. I think they went out every day for a month, to trying catch to capture that phenomenon. This phenomenon right. where all these like a school of fish are basically devoured by like every species yeah. in the area and uh and it makes the sea sort of uh, seem to boil and yeah she said that they they went out there every single day and they i think they did they catch it on their last day or maybe they had to plan a whole whole trip it might have been that. a pickup i can't remember I mean, wow it's, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's a second unit that went out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's go get some bee stock. <laughs> but it's like the ocean. Try, you know, picture that frustration of like you know, having to go to work and in you know not not an air conditioned Santa Monica oh studio yeah. and yeah. not even getting anything. So yeah, I think of the combination of like you know the incredible things that they were able to capture plus just all the you know all the days. Yeah, you like don't sheer tenacity. Yeah, yeah, right. Like, yeah, yeah. The keeping on it until you get yeah. something. I'm. Yeah, I can't remember what the total footage was that they had to edit with, but it had to. Oh my god, I can't imagine. Yeah, exactly. The, the I ratio. mean, that, oh my god. <laughs> that's the other thing. Being a picture editor on that and a, yeah. and a episode producer. Yeah. There's so many choices that are made before it even gets to us. It made our job seem really easy. Like anytime yeah. where it's like, like oh, you know, well, one of us. That's ag- an episode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we can't really complain. Yeah. <laughs> so you were talking about okay, wait, the journey of an episode before it reaches you. So now, yeah. when an episode comes in, uh, are you scoring really kind of a locked picture? Is it, is it locked, or are they still making tweaks when you start working on it? It's 
it's pretty unlocked. So uh, it is it went, still a yeah, moving, living thing. It was, I mean, that was a, a, a challenge with this one, was, was that everything was kind of in various stages of completion. Hmm. Until, I, I mean, I, I, I think I'm remembering this right. It, it kind of reached a, a critical mass <laughs> at some point, and everything was kind of on the go. And but, wow. but we had known that in advance. We had known that the schedule was going to be that hectic, and so Hans, Dave, and I had collectively viewed early footage and early scenes, and we were tackling problems that we knew were were going to be problems to tackle. In you know, uh, it, at yeah. some point it, we. I think dependent on how long an episode had in post, that was kind of, you know, how finished we were able to treat each thing. Right. Because you know, there was, towards the end, I think we had like a week, a week and a half per episode. Wow. Um, in the beginning, we had a really nice amount of time. So, uh, uh, yeah, there was definitely some, had to be some strategy involved for, yeah. you know, uh, okay, talking to the producers and them saying, oh, we, we're really happy with this sequence. Okay, that's a pretty good clue that we can get going on this one. Yeah. Right. And you kind of, you know, the nice thing about it was that it's so, you know, all the narratives per episode mostly are, are pretty disparate. So you can kind of treat it as its own chapter. And we would, right. you know, yeah. the three of us would sort of talk about how we wanted to approach the episode as a whole. So we kind of had a thematic idea and that was you know usually dictated by one of the producers who would say like well i think you know and they they it was actually great because you know for us we're not marine biologists so we don't yeah. understand what the open ocean might mean and they say well we really think of the open ocean as as uh as a desert you know and that's kind of what we want to drive home in this ocean so we'd be like okay wow. how do we how do we make the sound of that or or uh you know talking about the coral reefs the coral reefs are like the you know that's like the manhattan of uh of of the sea it's like bustling city so yeah okay so we you know we could get clues on how to approach an episode but then within them you know within each episode there you have these nice sort of sectioned off parts where you don't necessarily have to worry that like well, if real one gets changed, it's going to affect the continuity. Uh, right. You know, you yeah. Kind of like they're like little set short pieces. films. Yeah, yeah. 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 So, in that way, uh, you know, we could sort of tackle it one by one. And so, what was the? I guess what was the general approach when you guys kind of first came into it? Um, I know it definitely Hans is. I think he did the main theme on this one again. So, I mean, it was definitely felt like waves. Felt like kind of very. I don't know, voluminous and just kind of had that kind of weight to it. And, and the approach, I don't know, because the way you were talking about it, it to me, it felt almost like I was like on its own. If you take the score out and listen to it in the album experience, almost like a narrative. It felt mm. like, I felt like motifs were coming back and the way you would pull the theme in like four episodes in. Mm. Um, how did you guys structure it as a whole arc from the beginning episodes to the last episode? Was, was there a, a, a grand vision there? Yeah, good question. I mean, I think the, the grand vision, <clears throat> was mainly to do a texture mm -hmm. uh, for for the whole of the series. Uh, you know, the, the bodies of water are the are ever present. Yeah, and and so and and specifically from the the producers and, and the executive producer uh, Mark Brownlow, he wanted us to have a sound for the show that was identifiable. 
so uh, we we had kind of decided early on that that we would need an orchestral kind of articulation that mimicked the undulation and and the the kind of instability of mm. the water. Yeah. And, and we also, you know, took a page from the visual side of the arts and, and saw how, you know, Monet and, and other impressionist, uh, impressionistic painters use brushstrokes to kind of create mm. this texture. That's amazing. And, and so we took uh, sections of the orchestra, like a woodwind section, and, and had you know, uh, a whole section, you know, flutes, clarinets, and oboes, and bassoons all kind of play the same note within their register. Yeah. Uh, and, and, but not play at the same time as their neighbor. Right. right. If, if everyone was playing at the same time, they were doing it wrong. Yeah. And so we kind of got this burbling, you know, uh, what's the right word? Bobbling. Bubbling. Bubbling. Yeah. Bubbling. The bubbling sea. Gurgling. Yeah, gur- gurgling. <laughs> God knows. Well, when it was the worst, it was gurgling. Bubbles yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we, we lost those yeah. passes. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, I think gurgling would be like drowning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think that made the cut. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, we we got all these, these you know, sam- long extended samples of, of notes played this way by every section of the orchestra and that was in our template that was like our ocean sound it was wow. called the tidal orchestra and and aside from that i think it what was amazing about working with you and hans was we kind of had three minds on well not kind of we did yeah. have three minds on the project and yeah. so that's how, i think how we were able to to create such a unified vision it, which is maybe a little unintuitive at first but like you would remember a theme that I had done mm-hmm. for something because you didn't write it you remembered yeah and you'd say oh yeah Jacob use that over here wow. and, and you know Hans would be like oh it might be a good idea to use Dave's yeah. theme over yeah. here yeah. and and because we were all in a dialogue together we, we were familiar with each other's pieces yeah. we were all working on the same project it kind wow. of it was organically nice to, happened. Yeah, yeah. It was definitely nice to be fans of what <laughs> everyone else was doing. Right. You, know, you didn't feel like, oh, well, they, I, I'm not sure about Jacob on this one. It was always <laughs> like, like I'd be like, oh man, like I love that cue that he just did. And, and uh, it was, um, no, I mean, I think also, you know, to to expand on on the title orchestra thing, because that because that was really, I think, what you're feeling when you when you hear the album from front to front to back and kind right. of. You know, besides the uh, besides the you know melodic thematic material, mm-hmm. you know, it almost functions as like a, a texture theme, you know, or yes, a sonic yeah, yeah. sonic sort of theme. So it was like we we've always felt like we had this glue to go back to, um, and then I think especially like later on in the project, the fun became like, okay, now we're gonna go off the beaten path a little bit, right? Because you know after a while you you know they come to you and they say oh we want to have uh you know a pirate sea shanty or we want to have a, a bossa nova turtle spot and you're like <laughs> well okay we're just going to put on this hat for a minute or an right. alien invasion so it, it it what was great about it was it gave us the opportunity um while while it wouldn't always be appropriate to go back to 
the melodic or har harmonic themes, we always had these sounds to sort of apply to wherever crazy tangent we were having to go yeah. in whatever particular scene. Right. So, uh, you know, um, I think as far as a grand overarching plan, you know, from start to finish, uh, I hope we had one, but <laughs> I think uh, I think really what you're responding to when uh, um, I think is that sort of um, cohesiveness. Yes, that, yes. Uh, even though we had to treat all these scenes really differently, we really had the same, you know, um, we had this thing to go back to, which kind of became the the core of of the score. Right. Yeah. It was the approach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, so talk about the dynamic of you three working together. I, it seems like Hans was more involved this time than with Planet Earth 2. Is he, did you, were you all in a room? Did you guys kind of split up duties? Or did you come back and just check in what each one is doing? I mean, what was kind of the working dynamic here? Yeah, I mean, I think it was, it was kind of... Uh, both of the last two things you said, yeah, yeah. which is which we watch the the scenes and and later the episodes, you know, with Hans and, and kind of all discussed uh, who was doing what and 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 how we were going to kind of tie these things together and yeah. just have a discussion about it. Uh, and, and then as you know, we wrote it was very convenient all being on you know, the, the same physical space. Yeah. Right. And, and, and just, and, and, you know, email brings everyone closer. So you can, <laughs> even, even if one of us was on vacation or, or whatever. You're always in the you, tractor beam. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. You can be reached no matter what. Uh, yeah. So we would all just get each other's input. And it was yeah. truly it was, collaborative. It was really great. Yeah, That's I awesome. mean, I think, like you said before, like the sort of three minds uh, on a project. And, um, it's it's really nice when the goal seems so shared, you know. Yeah, uh, every, yeah. We we all seem to kind of want. I mean, also just the film is so good too. There's not, you know, you can't you can approach you can approach this this kind of documentary in a, in a different way. I suppose we try we chose to approach it really cinematically and, yeah. and kind of you know empathetically uh, as as possible. Um, but I think when you're all fans of uh, of what you're watching and uh, and what each other are doing, it's not hard to kind of get excited and uh, and uh, yeah, three three minds are definitely better than one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I think one of the biggest challenges, uh, just from looking at from my point of view, would probably be to score a series with such iconic narration, of course. And I mean, narration is such a part of the of the documentary. Um, genre, um, but when you have uh, Sir David Attenborough's, you know, yeah. such an iconic yeah. voice and such a commanding voice, how do you navigate that? When, when you're scoring, is, an, is, the, is his narration already there, or is it like spotted for narration? Or, I mean, how is it kind of the process? It's absolutely like it's, it, you know, it, the amazing thing about his narration is when you, when you, uh, we weren't privy to it. While we were working, hmm. we had there there was a script, okay, and and there were definite passages that you know when this scene is playing, you knew these were... words need to be uttered in okay. some sort of fashion. And they were right. sort of like guideposts. It wasn't so. Yeah, there was just like a general feel of where there would be narration. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, the what I, what I was going to say is. Going from that to hearing, you know, it, he doesn't 
take the script and just read the script. Yeah, yeah. He, he, yeah. he kind of, he, he transforms it into a, a kind of, you know, a singular narrator. All, all these scripts are being written by all these different people, but he's, right. he, it's like he a is the yeah, yeah. storyteller. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you feel it. Yes. Uh, and, and I'm, I think, you know, I was very cognizant of the fact that it would be his voice and his voice has a certain register that it sits in. Yeah. And, and so, you know, in certain key, uh, parts of narration that would be delivered on a scene, I would make sure to, to leave some space in the frequency range for that. Right. For his but would, voice it ever, to would it ever affect, like, if you had a really propulsive, like, if there's a lot of action going on screen, you knew there was going to be, they were probably going to mix the score low here, that affect the way you write? Or would you just kind of write? Yeah, uh, I mean, uh, a bit. But mm -hmm. I think, like Jacob was saying, it was more like, you know there's going to be, you know, no matter what the temp vocal was, you know there's going to be this... Yeah like layer of authority yeah. over words. I, yeah, I, maybe this is my version of like, I, I, I You know it was going to be all good. Yeah. I would, so you just kind of wrote. I would, I would kind of, uh, I would do like an impression sometimes. Like, you know, like, uh, really? I'd, I'd try to get like a, you know, uh, the, that timbre. Right. But it, Penguins uh, walking down the ice and... Yeah. That's not yeah. bad. Yeah, yeah. But, I've watched it a lot. But then when you hear it though, it's... Oh. Uh, I mean, that was, I think, one of the best things about oh seeing, seeing the final thing, because we, yeah, we, we probably it. experienced the final narration about the same time as everyone else. And uh, it's just, um, yeah, that's that authority. It's that, yeah. like, you know uh, the words are based in some really deep knowledge and caring. Yes, and, yes. Um, I think, you know, when we saw it, we, there was, a, like, a press thing with, with him there, and when he, he he's he skyped in and uh -huh. when he talks just everyone shuts up because <laughs> you know he's I, I don't know it's like um it's like the president talking i mean not our current one but uh, no, yeah, you know no, yeah like uh, so, a commanding yeah, yeah uh, someone you respect yes. and, and maybe look up to you yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's the exact uh, opposite of our president yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but still yes yeah. the idea of a president exactly the president of nature yeah. <laughs> the ideal uh, you know a morgan freeman president right know, the ultimate uh, authority absolutely <laughs> how many times has morgan freeman played the president i think they had to retire him <laughs> okay <laughs> He's done that several times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Deep impact. <laughs> yeah, right. He played God. I mean, he, you know. He's done it he's all, man. That. He's got that. Him and David Attenborough use the same cough drops or something. He's got that. Keep it right. Yeah, they, they probably sound like us before they take the cough drop. <laughs> They're very high-pitched. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for for a, a series like this, are temp scores used? Are, are they presenting temp scores to you to kind of feel things out or is it just kind of yeah yeah I there was i didn't was. remember that yeah i mean it, yeah it's and because i feel like for an editor to edit this thing together you have to have some sort of shape to help you i, I feel like temp scores are necessary for the editors yeah i think in terms yeah. of rhythm and, and certainly with, yeah. with with something that's maybe unscripted it might be more useful to have temp than right than, or not unscripted but but something where, where you're taking footage that you've collected and yes. are now creating a narrative based Absolutely. around that footage. Uh, I was going to say, I think probably for you at least, the, the, the biggest challenge was that Planet Earth 
you know, Planet Earth 2 that oh. these guys did was was somewhat there. Part of yeah, it, it, yeah, I'd say, you know, it, it wasn't the majority, certainly, yeah. but there but there were moments in, in, in each episode, I think, where it poked its head up. And, and if I had written the thing previously, it was actually the worst, I had that, yeah, the worst thing it could be. And, yeah. and as many times as I could, I'd have you two. This was a Planet Earth thing. Let's let the new kid. Uh, well, no, not thing. not yeah. that. Just literally, yeah. like, what am I supposed to do that doesn't <laughs> yeah. sound like me and accomplishes the same thing? Right, without right. copying yourself, uh, without cutting and pasting. Right? Uh, and that's uh, and it also, you know, puts you in a creative box. It's it's just like, well, how do I approach this and ignore the thing that I did? Right. That that seems to work, you know. Like yeah, well, but no, I th- but I think in in a way it was good because we could build on the vocabulary that these right. guys set out, and they did such a great job. You know, um, Jacob, Joshua, and Hans. You know, uh, I think it was definitely a compliment and a little bit of a, uh, a you know a guidepost again to say like build on this vocabulary. This is the the same world. This is Planet Earth. You know, Blue Planet Two. This is the same universe as right. Planet Earth, and and actually, I think having that allowed us to go in a different direction because yeah. I think at the end it it came out quite a bit differently. While it still sort of was the vocabulary, we were able to, you know, um, kind of build a, a side road out of that. Yeah, it definitely feels part of the same universe, but it's almost like a, almost, I guess like a sequel, but it, it feels like its own thing. It definitely yeah. feels different than Planet Earth, but there, there's a different shape and feel to mm. that, to the to this documentary versus the other one. Right. So. Right. so yeah, let's talk about the lasting impact that this music has. And um, so, you, I mean, you just did an amazing concert for Planet Earth 2 that we conducted yeah. and uh, Blue Planet uh, 2 live in concert has been announced. So talk about that knowing you have that feeling where i mean you're working you're toiling away in your dark studios by yourself but then you get to see other people come and you know the impact that it has like talk about that feeling yeah i mean uh that is absolutely like uh gratifying is like not not a a three-dimensional enough term to describe the feeling i think uh you know, first of all, conducting at the Royal Albert Hall uh, is is something that that would have never been on a bucket list that I would have made for myself because I wouldn't have seen it as a possibility. Right. And, and wow. so to to have that happen was was a tremendous honor and and you know a, a surreal and, and wonderful thing that that I can kind of keep with me for my years going forward. Uh, but the being able to to kind of see jo- more broadly, you know, Josh's music and, and my music and and Hans's music being performed at at a venue like the Royal Albert Hall and and touring Europe uh, is just it, it's crazy to think that you put in so much time like you said, in this room, toiling yeah. away, obsessing over, like, is this frequency, you know, EQ right on this one dumb thing? Right. Is this sonority appropriate, or, or is it too complex, or is it not complex enough? Is anyone even going to care? Uh, you put in such long hours, and, and you get so kind of in your own head about things that, that to, see, to see it in something that that you care very deeply about 
being in service of something that actually is is affecting people on on an emotional level and and making them interested in seeing a performance of your music uh in connection with with a project that you've you know when you work in this business you're you're seldom working on a project that has uh an, an impact on, on a positive just universally positive impact on the world it's educational it's it, it's you know speaking about conservation it, it's got all, all these things to kind of you're it just actually, trying to keep, yeah it actually matters i mean that's saying that yeah, everything else does matter but yeah i don't mean to be flippant yeah. in that the other stuff doesn't but it's an important message. but it, it's it's a unique position to to be in and it's not i think lost on either me or dave or hans or joshua yeah. on earth that we were given the opportunity to be a part of something that that is like that it, yeah. it's a it's a tremendous honor and it's a, a tremendous high to kind of see uh people respond to the music respond to the program and actually want to experience it in a different setting a live mm. setting yeah yeah and i can't uh, speak to the concert setting yet although but you I will think, i think you february, will february i think is, it's uh, gonna start kicking off your blue planet off. Yeah. yeah um no i think uh you know especially in the uk where it's like it, you know, Blue Planet played like the Super Bowl. It was, yeah. it was enormous. That's um, amazing. <laughs> and it even affected, you know, government regulation. That's, yeah. It, like, it, plastic it, straws are banned now there because wow. uh, of people's response yeah. to seeing the episode, the Open Ocean episode. Yeah, yeah. No, I wow. mean, there was, like, obviously, like, a lot of the... the uh, and series. that's not to our credit. I'm, 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 I'm just saying. <laughs> right. But you're involved yeah. in something that, yeah. yeah. I mean, you, yeah. put, you, you did. I, I would say, no, you are, because you put an emotional backing to something that people reacted to. Well, I think the, the you know, the thing that we talked about a lot was uh, how do we how do we walk the line of, like, having people empathize Yes. without trying to, you know, you, you, we're playing cinematic music, we're playing dramatic music, we're trying to you know, add to the drama that the editors were able to right. carve out of these stories. So, you know, you want people to, to care. You want people to get involved, you know, when there's these scenes about <clears throat> animals dying uh, from, you know, being trapped in a plastic bag or, or swallowing too much plastic or the coral reefs dying out. Oh, yeah. um, you, you know, that, I think that's, an, that's a, a good time to do what we do, which is to try to make an audience empathize um, with our neighbors in the ocean. Yeah, you know? tell and a story so that we can... Yeah, yeah. So I think whether whether they're aware that, um, you know, the music is, is helping them mm. come to that realization, I think uh, it's really, uh, as Jacob said, gratifying to be involved in a project that seems to have made people, you know, care about something. In the same way, maybe they would care watching you know a, a dramatic movie but these are things that are uh you know pertinent to not only these other species survivals but our survivals as well so yeah and generations going forward and yeah. like it can it can be almost a call to action where it is in a in a fictional story that 
you scored. I mean, it's 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 a tremendous ride, and it might make you think differently about the world from like a philosophical point of view, or or maybe open your eyes to to maybe not having such a myopic view of your world or whatever. But right. but but this is like actionable. You can you can you can come away with this with with being on this journey and and go to rallies or go to the beach and pick stuff up you can you can actually make a, a difference yeah. and that's an unbelievably uh it's just a humbling thing to be to be a part of I think. yeah yeah i mean already i've started carrying around my everyone's always like what, what is that cup you're carrying around well, I'm tr- you know I, I I'm trying to do my small part I'm, I'm carrying this this stupid cup from <laughs> from coffee place to coffee place I won't right. accept a plastic straw from any <laughs> like restaurant I mean, yeah yes. you know that, that's the just the the easiest stuff so I, I think you know but but all of those things help so I think you know all, the all three of us were really uh, affected and um, and hopefully you know more people will be as they watch the show too especially here in the u.s with our current administration which is very i mean anti-climate acceptance yeah. of all that so i think it's an important anti-science time. anti-science <laughs> against yeah. logic and reasoning yeah. and facts and i think and at least you're making a, the uk has embraced it and actually changed whereas here i think it's more necessary to really yeah. really show people i mean it's an important time to have documentaries like this really kind of be blockbusters and kind of people like events and you know where it's not just something on tv at two o'clock in the afternoon but yeah. really something that you want to get on 4k blu-ray and really yeah and yeah. just really kind of get behind so um i want to thank you guys for your time thank this you, evening and to talk yeah. and to kind of dive into your world no pun intended but like <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah thanks guys uh, thanks thank you guy. appreciate it